welcome to episode six of the Martial Arts Podcast. This is the podcast that takes a look at the stories and lives of the people involved in the world of martial arts. I am your host. My name is Adam Bockler. I'm an author. I'm a blood donor. I'm a guy who likes to shoot zombies with paintballs in the face. But most importantly, I am a martial artist. Before I go any further, this podcast is supported by martial artists just like you, so rate, download, subscribe on iTunes or at adambockler.com. You can like the Martial Arts Podcast on Facebook. Let me know how I'm doing. Ask me questions. Uh, Maybe I can answer some on the next show, or let me know if you have any great ideas for who you'd like to hear on the next episode of the Martial Arts Podcast. So one of the things that I wanted to do uh, on this month's episode is apologize for the lack of podcasts over the last couple months. Uh, I wanted to explain what I've been up to since I put out the last episode. Uh, I haven't been exactly slacking, all right, so just hear me out here. Uh, first, you'll, you've will you probably noticed that I didn't say this podcast was sponsored by Metamora Martial Arts. Uh, I decided back in August, when the last episode came out, that I wanted to focus on my day job, on this podcast, and other personal interests. Uh, I want to run a martial arts school someday, but I've decided that uh, that time is not now. And uh, my last classes I held at the end of September. Uh, also in September, I was traveling around quite a bit for my day job. Uh, I went to Las Vegas for about 36 hours for work and then was in Boston the next week uh, for the inbound conference for any of you listeners who might be into inbound marketing. Uh, and I must have caught something on the plane coming home from Boston because about 10 days after I got home, I got real sick with uh, what was called the enterovirus. And when I finally figured out what I had, I Googled it. And uh, it it looked like it had killed some kids, and I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, But the thing forced me to miss a wedding I was supposed to be the best man in. It kept me home from uh, a funeral of a friend who had died, and I'd known him for like 20 years. So it was basically just the worst thing. Uh, And then once I started to shake the virus from my system, my body experienced all sorts of weird aches and pains and and, uh, other weird symptoms. Um, so, you know, I spent the last couple weeks, uh, just getting healthy and regaining strength and all that. And, uh, you know, working out and, uh, doing my DDP yoga that I do on a regular basis was a real chore, but, uh, I'm happy to say that now I'm back in good health. Um, I'm back at full strength and I'm feeling pretty good. This month I sat down with Sensei Matthew Shell. He runs the Tora Hakutsuro Khan Martial Arts Academy in Morton, Illinois, I first got to know Mr. Shell when he started coming to a few Tai Chi Chuan classes with Steve Aldis, and you can listen to that episode uh, on an earlier uh, podcast that I did. Uh, Mr. Shell and I got to be pretty good friends, and now I'm honored that he considers me part of his extended martial arts family. He talks a little bit about that in this podcast, uh, you know, just his how he feels, uh, you know, like martial artists are really part of his family. Uh, he invites me to his special events. I've gone over and done some Chanbara training with him. Uh, he's invited me to his holiday parties, and you know I I'm just really uh, excited and I, I feel humbled that that uh, he asked me to do that. Um, you know, as a martial artist, uh, that's him more as a person, but as a martial artist, he's the real deal. Let me tell you. Like uh, Eddie Parker talked about on episode three, uh, Mr. Shell talks about starting his training. When he was a child, uh, at a young age of five, but he makes an interesting point in this podcast that I want to highlight here before we get started, that despite uh, starting training as a kid, he doesn't think he really started training until he enlisted in the service when he was doing some training overseas, uh, which he talks about a little bit here. Um, We also talk about how he's trying to keep the traditional aspects of martial arts alive. 
And his views on some things may be seen as controversial, or they might even surprise you, but uh, I'll let him speak for himself. Enjoy the interview. So we're here with uh, Matt Shell and doing, doing the martial arts podcast with him. Uh, so I guess we can get started, uh, you know, I'll ask an obvious question, what, what brings you to martial arts? How did you get started? Well, I actually, uh, I got started when I was about five years old and my grandfather, um, he never had a son and, uh, so I was kind of like the son he never had and he, he was very much involved in judo, jiu-jitsu, um, boxing, he was a golden glove boxer back uh, during World War II. And so uh, he, whether I liked it or not, um, <clears throat> he, he started my training when I was real young, you know, yeah. stuff that you would do with a five-year-old and stuff. But then as it progressed, you know, as I got older, intensity and everything. And so at the time, you know, I can't say that I loved it at all, you know. Uh, <laughs> I remember I, I was wanting to ride my bike, you know, out with my friends out there. And I'm in the backyard, you know, learning how to fall and you know, uh, and he was, he was very, very old school. So he, he hurt you. Now, what year was this? Oh, kind of put it into some context. About 1974, 75. Okay. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we didn't wear any uniforms, nothing like that. So it wasn't even cool. You know, it was just like, I'm out there. But, uh, looking back on that, I'm so glad that that happened, that, that he, he forced me to do that. Um, because then, you know, when I, I, I left home at 17, went into the U.S. Army. And, uh, you know, I definitely continued by that. It was in time it was ingrained in me. And so, you know, uh, my first overseas duty assignment, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, and that wasn't hard because up at the local, you know, on post or gymnasium, they had boxing, you know, wrestling, martial arts. And so, you know, I found a home, boom, right then, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, continued on my training, and you know I've been doing it ever since. And it's it's like uh, life without it. I can't even you know it's part of my life. Um, and it started that seed that my grandfather you know planted. <clears throat> that I wasn't grateful back then, but I'm gonna tell you, by the time I joined the service, mm-hmm. I was very happy that I had done that and went through that. So now, where did you get deployed to? Well, my first overseas assignment, I I was lucky enough to get Germany, and. Uh, um, you know, got to see a lot of things, do a lot of things. I was there during the Cold War. I was there when the wall came down. Um, um, I was one of the guys that guarded Romeo and India, you know. So before it even hit national news, we were watching the defections go on. You know, I'm 17 years old, and I'm watching people, you know, defect, what we called uh, pot hangers, illegal border crossings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're coming across, and so it was... Again, it was one of those things where you're freezing your butt off maybe in the winter out there pulling roving guard and uh, you're not appreciating what's going down. But then now when you look back and it's like, wow, I was part of history. I was yeah. there, you know, where I was stationed is now wax museums up in those towers, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, and one of my students that uh, we just we just took on a little while back, he, he spent 22 years over there. Hmm. And as it turns out, he was there uh, when I was. Didn't know each other at the time. He was in a different part uh, of Europe, but uh, um, we we can relate a lot of the old stories, especially the the martial arts tournaments and you know the demonstrations that we put on on and off base and stuff. And he knew my old teacher, and so it's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. Um, 
so. What, uh, when you were a kid, you were saying you were a kid and you were like mm-hmm. in your backyard doing falls and stuff like that. What are your friends saying at that time? Why do you got to do that? <laughs> you know, why can't you go, you know, we want to go down to the woods, we want to do this, do that, you know. Uh, uh, they weren't too, one of them came, you know, he was a little keen, but oh, this hurt. Oh, I don't want to do that. And so, you know, they'd go off and leave you. Mm-hmm. And so there you are, you know, and it wasn't like it was an all-day deal, but, you know, there'd be, you know, really back then, an hour, two hours, you know, he's putting you through this stuff. He's going to make you a man, you know. It was so just the way I was brought up. You had to do this. And, uh, you know, the more you, the more you didn't you know, want to and you tried to fight it, I'd just get in more trouble. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a forced upon thing, unlike what you would do today. You know, today, you know, like I have five-year-olds that they hit that plateau and then the parents just like, oh, okay, well, you can quit. Yeah. You know, and there's no, no guidance like that. Well, mine was overkill. But, you know, it was, uh, uh, my family are, uh, were immigrants, came over Ellis Island from Germany, and uh, it's just a different mindset. So, um, but it shapes you, you know, and it did. And here I am today, you know, yeah. with my own school. And it's just like, who would have ever thought? You know, so I think it's that, you know, it's that seed that granddad put in me. You know? Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> so. You know, I'll probably hop around here and there about different points of your life story. Yeah. You talked about the school a little bit. Uh, yeah. Is this your first time having your own place? Um, <clears throat> out on the public sector, yes. I mean, I had a school in the back <laughs> of my home where I could teach up to eight guys, you know, and, uh, did that for quite a while. And, um. Then I, you know, I, I had taught in, uh, like your, uh, well, village courts and, um, what's the other place we just came from, uh, United Stars. Yeah. Yeah. So teaching out of the health clubs and and that type of stuff. And it just wasn't for me, uh, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that I wanted to have, you know, a school where people come and they get the aesthetics, not only just the instruction, but the aesthetics and the, you know, I think it. It means a little bit more, you know, um, to a lot of people when they walk in and, and you actually have your own school. They yeah. kind of second rate you when you're teaching somewhere else out of a, you know, well, if you were that good, why don't you have your own school right. type deal. And <clears throat> to be honest, some of those students you wouldn't want anyway. But there are other students, like myself even, you know, unless I know that instructor, I'm probably going to go to, you know, walk in and, and look at a school and see what history is on the wall and just see what it's all about. And I can kind of tell when I walk through that door, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's hard to do that in a community center or a health club it, it or is. whatever. It is. And so, you know, I my ultimate goal was to have a place. And uh, not too big. I never want to get too big for the britches, you know. Um, because, you know, like I said, this for me, it's a, it's a lifestyle. And... Um, you know, I'm so grateful for my teachers, what they've, you know, bestowed upon me, all the knowledge. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want it to die with me. I want this to carry on. So I wanted to make sure when I did get a school that I could easily afford it with my day job. You know, um, I, I very much believe in having a day job and not being a full-time martial arts instructor. Not that I, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. I know they're, they're out there. But what I have found in my life of seeing is... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a prime situation because I can easily afford my location without having to water down or do things that otherwise I wouldn't do to keep a student, you know. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that's worth its weight in gold to me. 
um, because I think you do sometimes you do need to thin thin the dojo. You know, you do you can't have <clears throat> the wrong person. One person can spoil the pot. Yeah, <clears throat> we've already had that. I had to kick a student out of here, um, and I, that was the first time ever. But uh, and it wasn't you know I talked to my teacher about it, and it was the only thing we could do. You know, really, and uh, it, there wasn't that worry that oh my God, I'm going to lose that month's tuition. How are we going to make it? Mm-hmm. You know, I never want to get into that spot. So I call it old school. You know, I'm probably one of your only schools around in these parts that demote people when they don't deserve the rank. You know, so how how does that go over <clears> with people? Well, um, the, the reality is, how many have I demoted? None. Yeah. But that that nail of shame on the wall and that threat factor that you know, and I give them every opportunity. Uh, but you know, a lot of times, especially with the kids, they'll work real hard to their next belt. And as we, you know, we teach here that this builds upon itself and you can't let, you know, don't let your basics go because your basics are what you're going to grasp when you long, if you become a black belt, a Yodansha, you'll return to those basics. That is your core foundation. And no matter how many fancy techniques you learn, kata you learn, whatever, if you lose your basics, you've lost everything. Okay. You have to be able to weather the storm. And to do that, you have to have a strongly rooted foundation, your basics. So <clears throat> what happens with these, these kids sometimes is, boy, they'll really give it 110% effort and they'll, they'll just impress the, the heck out of me, you know, and blaze through the promotion test. They've got it down. You're so proud of them and everything. And then a few months go by and they start letting the stuff go. Maybe they're working on, you know, the next belt's uh, standards or maybe not in some cases. And uh, then when you see them, it's like, whoa, what happened? You, you were so good at this, you know. Well, when was the last time you, you studied this waza or this kata? Well, I don't know. At least they're honest. When they're young, they're honest, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> Especially the five, six-year-olds. Do you practice at home? No. They usually blame it on the parents. Um, and so what I do in those instances is, you know, we, we put that in the old shame because it's kind of like, I, I, I don't know, it's uh, maybe something I picked up in the military uh, where the way they would, you know, punish the soldiers, it would be a mass type of a deal or in front of people, a shame, you know, mm-hmm. thing. So to make you straighten up. So everyone here, you know, it's like, well, we don't want to take that, that belt off, that obi and put it on the nail. But, you know, if you, if you don't want to, you know, remain, you know, or, or, uh, not remain, but if you don't want to continue to practice and maintain your standards that you already have, then you're not worthy of that rank. You understand how that works, right? I'm like, yes. I'm like, well, I don't want to have to hang your belt up until you're worthy to wear it again. And generally, that does the trick. You know, the only one that I ever did demote was the individual that I finally kicked out of here. And that was just, uh, well, just this year, first part of this year. Yeah. um, And that was just, and that was total disrespect to the other practitioners of the school and and to me and to my teacher and it just couldn't you know it was either kick them out of the school or kick their teeth out mm-hmm. well i preferred to do the budo way or <laughs> kick their kick them out of school <clears throat> um but we you know we we run this you know the the name torakatur khan the khan family it's very uh important uh to us that family uh, the, the the practitioners that practice it, the clan, um, <clears throat> that whole mentality, you know, the things that we do together, um, 
the, the relationship, you know, uh, it's like an extended family. This is not a sport. You know, I don't, I don't promote it to be a sport, mm-hmm. especially our system. Uh, it was never designed, you know, Matsumura, it was never designed as a sport or inter- introduced into the school system to Japan. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm very, uh, very hardcore on keeping the traditions that I was taught exactly the way they were because who am I to change them, okay? Now, I add, I add collateral. I've, Matsumura system is very difficult for children. It's difficult for adults, too. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things that I did was I added the Taikyoko katas because our first katas were the peanuts. And I, seen, and I seen this when I was coming up in the system, that how people would struggle with the 45-degree angles and the back turns and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know... So I went and I, I talked to Master Keppel and I, I told, I had an idea um, and I wanted to know, I always ask him before I do anything, you know, like this, do I have your permission and this is why? And I explained it to him. He thought that was great. Yeah, you can. Just don't take, you know, I can't change our standards or anything, but as long as I, um, you know, just add collateral stuff, I can I can make it as difficult or whatever is I want. I had a whole other system on top of it. As long as when I'm promoting people, it's in the Matsumura standards that he taught me. Right. And so, and that's great. That's fine. So what I did was I, I tested this and I found that uh, um, with me teaching so many kids that just teaching them, getting that, that body change and working the basics, the low, you know, Geidanukis, Jodanukis, Chudanukis, uh, they're Seiken and just the Taisabaki, you know, that movement, that, in that embolism of flow of that eye formation, it's so easy, and it gets them, the parents like it, the kids, I'm getting two things done. I'm pleasing the child, they're not getting bored. I'm pleasing the parents because right away they're seeing, wow, you know, my son or daughter's running a form, okay, where it'd take a month to be able to get down, like say, Pinan Chodan, which when I came up in the system, that was the first kata, Pinan Chodan. And so... You know, I tested that, and I started watching how fast they're they're getting, you know, the grasp in this, and it's like, uh, okay, this works. Mm-hmm. So we've kept it, and I had to redo the standards a little bit and stretch things out. When you, you know, when they, you know, okay, you're not going to learn peanut showdown as a white belt, you're going to learn it as a yellow belt. Um, but it's not a race, you know. That's what I tell them. I have some students. Well, I want to learn this. Well, you'll learn it when you have this down. This is very much as important as that. You know, basics. And so we're, in this school, we're very big on that. And so, back to the nail of shame, um, it doesn't matter if they're a brown belt, if they're an intermediate, a green belt, or if they're a white belt, or a black belt. Standards are, you know, your basics. The basic standards is, is very much important because when it, when, when it hits the fan and you're out on the street, if someone attacks you, all these fancy uh, moves where you're using um, fine motor skills goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's been pretty much proven. If you look out there, what really saddens me is you can Google and you find karate's like the worst self-defense, and you know there's all this negative talk about it. And you know, it, it no, it isn't. It's one of the most lethal. It's just the way it's been watered down and being taught. And yeah. so one of the things I said with my school is, you know, one of the most important things is we have to remember. And I let the parents know that that what they're going to partake in is combat. That is what this is. Now, the Budo aspect of it is very, very strong. Um, and in this school, uh, 
you know, especially with the young kids, I, I basically hit it more with that, you know, because that's what's going to gear them towards listening and behaving, you know, and respect, yes or no, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, and then balance and coordination, all these things that come with martial arts are going to get, but I, you know, we keep the levels of bunkai uh, very, very, very basic until they hit an age like, you know, generally my 13, 14-year-olds, depending on the child, whether or not we, we move them up in the bunkai level. Um, what you know, we can see some of these kids I've had for five years since they were in their, their single digits and now they're driving cars. And so, um, you know, you know whether they're a good kid at heart, if they're violent, if they're bullying, you know, whatever. Um, and so naturally I'm not going to teach them anything that's going to, you know, cause them some legal problems and, yeah, and you know, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm babbling, but, uh, no, that's fine. Uh, so, uh, started out being taught by your grandfather. Yes. Uh, what was the next, who was the next person that started teaching you after that? Kevin Price. Uh, no relation to my sensei Price. Uh, he taught Taekwondo in Pekin, um, down the street from Troy Brothers. Uh, he had a, a gentleman by the name of Audie Aerosmith, who was a Korean that was in there as his assistant. Um, in the building that he was in used to be the Peak and Bow, and I think it was Peak and Bow and Taxidermy, mm. until he moved up the street, but that little area, and then it was a pottery place, but back in the day, that was a dojo, a little dojo, and uh, so I trained there for a little bit, um, uh, Larry Pye, I mean, I trained, money, we grew up poor in the mm-hmm. South End, so, you know, you couldn't train where you really wanted to, and, and uh, you know, naturally, I wanted to throw on a Dubak and, and uh, uh you know, training a real school, a dojang, you know, and, and not in the backyard. <laughs> uh, but that, that didn't work out um, too well. I, I worked paper routes, paid for my, my lessons, you know, stayed here three, four months, six months, whatever. But then really, you know, I call that my molding years, my introductory years. But then when I got into the service, um, got stationed overseas, Robert Hurt was my sensei, and that was when I think my martial arts really began. That's when you really started training hard, you know, and, and really forming you mm-hmm. at, at an adult level. Um, <clears throat> because I could say, well, I've been doing this since 74 when I was five, but that's like looking at one of my students and saying, you know, that's five years old out there. It's like, what are they really doing? <laughs> you know, so I don't do that. But, you know, when I was 17, yeah, that's that's when I really started training. That was when I was with the uh, Black Horse Regiment over in Europe. And uh, I got, they had a demo team, and um, we traveled around doing, you know, on-base and off-base demonstrations and stuff. And uh, the Kumite back then was based on kickboxing rules, full contact, you know, and I think it was a lot easier. Uh, I've never really accepted got too much into the point fighting mm-hmm. um i think it's a little more difficult me i was a head hunter i, I can hit hard i'd get in there try to knock the guy out as fast as i could you know tyson him before he even came around you know um and uh we've watered it down so much and i've seen it just in the last decade to a point where you know i tell my students it's great for timing i want you to do that i want you to experience that as you're coming up but if you know if they said i don't want to do this you know, this is, I don't want to do it, then I'm not going to hold them back in rank because I know what we're doing inside the school and I'm teaching them how to survive out on the street and playing glorified tag is not going to survive you on the street. Yeah. So it's, it's not that important. Um, 
But you've competed in points more. I've yeah. competed, yes. I've done all that because if you're going to be a teacher, you need to make a little bit of a name and a reputation and, mm-hmm. you know, win some national championships and stuff. And, and, and so that, you know, because that's the other thing, what credentials. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I did. Um, and the older I get, and now that, you know, I'm, I'm really full-time with my own school and teaching, um, you know, I'm still, I was just down there, brought back some trophies from, you know, down south. Uh, but I'm finding more, um, I don't know if it's because I'm getting a little more, well, I, I'm trying to think the words I want to use here. Uh, I think I get uh, a better feeling than myself winning, but watching my student, um, that satisfies me more, I think. It's kind of, you know, I guess a lot of teachers would say that. Mm-hmm. When I see that this is what I've molded, they came to me, they knew nothing, and, you know, over weeks and months and years, and now they're going out there, and I have two of my students have won USKK National Champion two years in a row in their divisions. And when they both came to me, neither one of them, you know, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with these guys? You know, uh, coordination, they were athletic. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like now it's like, wow, and I did that, you know. Yeah. They they did it, but through my teaching. Yeah, it's a testament to both of you guys. Yeah. You, know, that you coach them, and then they put in the work yeah. to, to do it. And so it's like you're a proud parent feeling, <laughs> you know. I have kids and grandkids, so it's like, whoa, you know. And so that, to me, uh, I know what I can do and how long I've trained, but to be able to do that with someone who, you know, comes to you as an adult maybe and was never athletic in school and has a low self-esteem um, and you're able to do this, uh, teach them and them to actually go out there and do it and surprise themselves and surprise me. And that right there is like, wow, you know, um, I've got enough plastic. My wife says they're dust collectors, you know. We brought a lot into the school here and there's a lot in the attic and, yeah. you know, uh, um, if I ever got another one, I don't care, you know, but I think where I'm at in life now is, is to make sure that real, uh, karate do is taught in my school because there's so much out there that, um, I don't agree with. And so I want to make sure that I put my little stamp in my little area, you know, in my little pond, mm-hmm. uh, that I know that in my heart, I did the right thing. I did the way master Keppel, master price and my teachers have taught me and that that does not die. That continues on through the generations. Let's let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, you don't have to mention any names in case you don't want to, but you know, what are you seeing in uh, martial arts that you don't like that you're trying to, uh, you know, make your own mark with? Um. Well, the biggest thing that I see is all the. I'll tell you right off the bat. I'll tell you one thing. I cannot stand is to see people younger than me, I'm 45 years old, and to see people that are 30, 40 years old claiming to be master in this country. I've seen grandmaster too. Oh, well, I was going to get there. You know, I was going to say, you know, and and sometimes that's not enough. Now we've got to be a grand master, okay? And uh, it's sickening. And you look at their ability. I've literally, I've had people that are claiming to be masters come and train with me. And they were not even as good as my intermediate Q ranks. Okay, I have green belts that would have wiped the floor with them. And these people are claiming to be masters and grandmasters. You know, it's it's ludicrous. It's disrespectful. Totally. Um, my teacher 
is 76 years old. He just got his 10th done. Just got it. And he thought he wasn't even old enough for it. You know, we didn't know if he'd accept it. But I think because so many organizations came from, you know, all the way from, you know, New Mexico and California, all over the people that came together at the 30th International Championships and said, you're going to take this. And they awarded it to him. And he took it. And I got to be there and see this. Now that, I'd say, yep, that's a master. Mm-hmm. Okay, master couple. Look what he's done. Look at his knowledge. I've trained with the man. Um, yeah. But to have somebody that's 35, 40 years old and, you know, and, and then all this, everybody's so fixated on rank. You know, I personally know people that jump from a questionable showdown to a six-degree black belt in one weekend. How do you do that? You know, I ain't mentioning no names, but that, that really, I feel pity for them. Because the rest of us who are old school, I'm a second-degree black belt in the system. Okay? And you would think, you know, I, I've had people that... The first thing they'll ask you, oh, well, what rank are you? It's not enough I'm a black belt and I'm teaching and you can see how, well, what rank are you? What what level? Yeah. You know, they know we have 10 levels and I'm sure there'll be an 11th. I know uh, Master Kim came out with 11th, so I'm wondering how long in the next decade <laughs> will some system come out with the 11th, you know? Uh, yeah, because you go to tournaments and, you know, you see... Uh, you see kids that have, like, four degrees on, on a black belt. Isn't that like, ridiculous? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, rank doesn't matter. I, I, I mm-hmm. personally try to go more on, like, well, how many years have you been involved? And, you know, like, yeah. you were talking about and hinted at a little bit earlier, you know, even years involved, mm-hmm. you know, you don't feel like you've probably been doing this since you were five. You've been doing this since you were 17 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm right where I should be. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had people say, oh, wow. You know, if you join our organization, how many years you've been doing this? Oh, well, you should be this. No, I shouldn't. My teacher didn't promote me to that. You know, it's not about rank. If I had my say, we'd take the OB off. You know, I tried that. I said I wanted to do that, and I had my teacher, oh, no, you can't do that. No, 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 you'll never have any students. Because something's happened, you know, in these generations. You've got to give, you know, look at all these color belts we got. You know, we went from a five-belt system to a ten-belt or nine-belt, you know, colors, uh, now you've got uh, gold. Oh, that's that's terrible. <laughs> Phone ringing. Let me turn that off. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, what I call false flagging. Yeah. Uh, handing belts to people that don't deserve it. Um, you know, in our school, you earn it, and if you don't want to earn it, then there's the door. You know, it, it, it sounds rude and crude, but that's the way it is. We're here, we're, we're serious about what we do, and before my name goes on a certificate or you wear an OB in my, out on my deck, um, you're going to be worthy of it. Um, and that's just the way it is. And I will not uh, bend one iota for that, because I feel in my heart that that is, uh, you know, it's disrespectful to the masters that created these systems, and that, you know... Here I am, I'm an American, I'm learning an Asian art, and what I'm going to water it down for the sake of having students and to make money or whatever, mm-hmm. which is another thing that I don't like. Um, personally, it's America, you know, I'm not too politically correct, those that know me. Um, being in it for just the money. You know, if I could teach for free, I would. That's why I make sure I, you know, I have three jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's my livelihood. That's what pays my bills. And that's actually, you know, what has paid this dojo because we charge so little, um, because really I don't think you should have to pay for this. 
I really don't. And that's why I'm in the back of a bug shop. (laughs) (laughs) That's why a lot of people don't know we're here. I'm not some storefront where everybody can look in the picture window at us and our our see all your trophies. Yeah. Yeah. We think of it, it's, it's kind of more like a, you know, a club, mm-hmm. and it's a, a life club, and uh, I'm big in, you know, like I said, into the, the, the karate do. What I tell my, my students are that the greatest opponent you'll face in life, generally, unless you're in a battlefield in combat or something, is yourself. And so the aspect of, uh, you know, Budo, of what Funakoshi uh, introduced you know, in the Shotokan was the dough for the school kids so they could extrapolate that into their daily lives. I'm very big on that. You know, we're very big about integrity and honesty and helping fellow man, which is what, you know, my mission here, um, we're real big on with, you know, with the kids. But what I don't want to do is set them up for failure, which is what I see goes on so much out there where, you know, when I was a kid, if you sucked at basketball, you probably didn't make the cut. They'd tell you, okay, well, maybe you should go try baseball or basketball or none of them. Okay, we have a chess club or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, anybody gets to play regardless of which way the game goes. If it costs the game, oh, well, little Billy or Bobby who can't throw the basketball, dribble it for their life, they still get to do it. It's this politically correct society that me personally feel that it's just destroying the fabric of what this country was founded and based on. Um, how long did it go on? I don't know. And what we've done is we've introduced that into martial arts so that now you can have six-year-olds and seven-year-old and eight-year-old black belts, which is ludicrous. My black belt test is 20 hours of hell where we try to break you. It will take a very strong abdominal spirit to pass through that gauntlet and to step across the line to a yodancha. It will be, I want to make it the worst experience of your life and the best when I put that belt on you. So you know you've you've earned it. I'm combining military with the martial arts. We have, you know, you're, you're running two miles. You're doing all the push-ups, the crunches, the physical. We're trying to get into your mind. Mm-hmm. We're trying to break you down. 20 hours, there's no break in there. I let you go to the bathroom if you have to. We let you take a drink. I don't want you dying, you know, of a heat stroke or, or you know, yeah. uh, dehydrating on me. But... It's hard, real hard, and you know, uh, I, and I don't bend. I don't bend, not even for my own children. You know, so many times I've seen out there where an instructor has kids, and those kids are already black belts at the age of twelve, and they can't even, you know, take care of their uniform right. You know, um, my daughter's been doing it since she was five. She's fourteen, and she's a purple belt. You know, and she's fought hard to get that, and I worry for her. Will she have what it takes? She may not. My son definitely doesn't. So, you know, he's gone on to other things. But, so, you know, I'm, <clears throat> if I'm going to be that way with my own children, then I'm going to be that way with someone else's children. I don't want to give something for free. I don't want to set them up like what we're doing in life with our kids that, uh, you know, you get everything for free. The best things in life come when you've worked damn hard for them. Okay? And so... They work damn hard in the school for what they get, and when they, when it doesn't matter what level, whether it's a yellow belt, whether it's a brown belt or a black belt, when they've earned that, they know they've earned it, mm-hmm. and they've got something to show for it. And the reality of it is, you know, I've got brown belts in here that could go into any school, and they would think he was a high-level black belt, 
he could fool them like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and that's, you know, Eric. Oh, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't know. You would think he's got to at least be a third or fourth dime compared to what's out there, yes. you know. He's got his act together. He's got his act together. There's no doubt. And his son, you know, and but he's a, he's a national champion in the USKK, you know. Um, so, but he's a champion in here. His ability, and you know, we throw the mats out, and we're going at it. Mm-hmm. Um, he can take care of himself, and and so that's what's you know very important for me. Is it's not really you know we talk about the tournaments, but whether or not my students go compete. You know, that's supposed to be fun, and, you know, you, the good thing about it you know, that I think is that you get to meet people from different schools and, and maybe make friends, and, and you know, uh, I've always said that the martial arts is a lot like religion, and, um, you know, coming back to the school here, the reason why I named it the Torah Hakatura Khan Martial Arts Academy was because we don't just teach karate. I teach karate, but I brought in, as you know, one of, you know, your Sifu this. Monday night, Taichuan. Um, so we got Chinese art. We have uh, Taekwondo with uh, Master Kim, Song Kim, which is Master Su Kim's brother. Uh, is going to be here Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, you know, we've got the Kobudo. We've got so we've got various things going on. It is an academy where it's you know more than one thing being taught. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've I've reached out to you and Matamora. You know, brought let's get bring the you know the Koshikai and Pekin. That was um, a fun night. That Chambara, <laughs> that is fun, and I realized I suck at it. I had little kids beat me, you know. <laughs> Reflexes aren't what they used to be. I got, I got so close. I yeah. got so close in the black belt division. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. One of the things that I I'd said that I wanted to do is try to, you know, why do we have to have these divisions amongst the different arts? You know, okay, you study Japanese art and you study Korean art, but let's come together mm-hmm. in unity. We're martial artists. You know, I don't even think in the world population that we even, you know, we don't even register. We're like a dot as far as a population that studies this Um, because it's hard, you know. And, you know, uh, I hate to say it, I ain't politically correct, but a lot of people, especially in this country, are lazy. Too much work to think that we're going to train five and six days, much less two days a week. I train every day. If I I can't train physically, I train in my mind, but every day because it's part of my day. Um, and there's a lot of people out there that's like, oh my God, what are you, a freak? That's true. I couldn't do that. You know, it's like, well, you know, those Michael Jordans and all these, you know, these greats and other sports didn't get what they were at, you know, from just mediocre. They, they, you know, you get what you get. Yeah. You know, Eddie Van Halen couldn't play the guitar like that if he wasn't playing it till his fingers bled every day. Mm-hmm. And he didn't start out playing like that when he was, you know, a kid. That's right. So, you know, and that's the thing, you know, we, and we've seen it here, you know, I have a lot of testaments here for new students coming in that they can see uh, and hear from people or watch them grow uh, other students where they see how clumsy they were or, you know, just uh, you wouldn't think that they'd make it and all of a sudden, you know, they're brown belts Mm -hmm. and they're awesome, you know, um, and so, you know, it's possible if you put the work in, you know, in this, in this realm, you have a lot of, you know, you'll, oh my goodness, over the last five years, the students I've taught and lost, um, I, I can't even think of them all, Yeah. you know, uh, just, just coming from one place to another, what we lost. But here comes another Christmas party and we're going to sit there and uh, I'm going to say, well, 
the clan that surrounds me is a clan that's been with me for five years. And, you know, we have some, some that has come newer, but these are the right ones for this. You know, that just keep, each year I keep seeing them. It's almost like a sifter, you know? You just yes. put them all in, you sift them, and then whatever's left is that's like, right. these are the people. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It used to bother me. I used to think, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? And I'm constantly trying to critique myself because mm-hmm. you felt it was like a personal hit when someone would, would leave, you know. Um, and then I, you know, I talked to my teacher a lot and he, he you know, he told me all the years, 40, 50 years, you know, I've been teaching how many's come and gone. No, it's, I said, well, is it me, Sensei? And, no, no, it's them. Mm-hmm. And you can't fix them. You can try, but they've got to be willing. You can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink, you know. Just like I got students in this school, I've got really good students, and I got students that you know, like I said to start with, you know, you promote them, and then they just kind of like lose interest. They still keep coming, and I'm sure they're going to want, you know, every year we like to do the the annual Christmas party, and I do uh, I save back uh, the people that are due for promotion mm-hmm. um, rather than promote them a week earlier, a month early. We'll just get everybody at the Christmas party, and that's kind of like the grand finale. Yeah. I'm afraid this year Santa's bringing coal. You know, unless they can shape up, I give them three opportunities over a month mm-hmm. to get it cleaned up and that. And if they can't do it, you know, it's it's sad for me, um, but I'm sure they're not going to be too happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had that last year, and every single one of them that didn't knew they weren't getting promoted didn't even come to the party. And so then you had to start thinking about that. It's like you know, we run this like an extended family. We're a clan. We're a group. We spend a lot of time together. And, you know, uh, I want people here for the right reason. Not just self, for their own self-satisfaction of a color of cloth on their, on their waist. Which means nothing. You know, I've told people, uh, you know, when they're asking me, well, how long is it going to take me to make black belt? Well, I can't answer that. Yeah. You know, you can go into some schools, oh, well, we got the black belt program, we got this, we got that, yeah. Yeah, you well. signed a contract for this many years, and you get a yep. bell at the end of it. And how could they? How can they do that? You know, you know, if you're not what we call, you know, that term out there, uh, McDojo. Mm-hmm. I just heard of that last year. The McDojos, yeah. uh, the belt factories. I knew about. Um, back to things I'm seeing out there. I see a lot of belt factories. I see a lot of McDojos, and I think that maybe, uh, you know, I'm jumping around here, but that that came back. Uh, so I had something to say on that. Um, I think sometimes you'll have. Instructors that mean well, were brought up well, brought up in a good school with a good teacher, but maybe they set their goals too big, get too big of a building, locked into a too big of a lease, mm-hmm. and then that's when you start to see it go awry and you start to see things that maybe they even see and like, oh, I hate to do that, but, you know, we don't want to lose them, you know, and they can't, maybe that's, especially your full-time instructors, if they ain't got another job that's supporting it, like I do, uh, if, I'm, if I lose a few students, I don't have to worry because, okay, it's like i just taken on another car loan, but I can afford it with my other job yeah. and keep the doors open for everyone. Um, if this was all I did, though, it would have been shut down a while back. Okay. Now, even even money aside, would you want to do this full time? Like, even if you didn't have... Oh, I'd love... When I retire, I plan to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to build it big enough that... Um, and we're thinking of... We're thinking about going to a nonprofit because what my mission, uh, you know, with the kids, because you got to start young. This is, these are the ones that's going to take care of us when we're old. These are our future leaders. 
And, you know, we, I think we've proven that uh, the, the children that start martial arts when they're young and stay with it, they, they have a better, uh, better chance out there. Uh, they've got that intestinal fortitude, that abdominal spirit that gets them through college, gets them through situations in the work, you know, gets them promoted, you know, gets them to a higher earnings, um, at least what I saw. I, I, I can't recollect any kids that stayed with it that wound up in prison or wound up being on the dole or something, you know, it's uh, because it kind of goes against us as what we, you know, that Budo aspect yeah. of what we've learned. So, um you know, I, I'm very much in wanting to teach the kids. And so, you know, I just uh, uh, met with the superintendents a while back with uh, all six of the public schools over here in Morton. And uh, we, we launched that free martial arts program um, and an introductory deal for three months to see if they, you know, it lets me weed out um, because I can't have a bunch of troublemakers and, you know, we've had kids come in here and they're bouncing on the walls and stuff and they're just, it isn't, it, this is not for, unlike what the sales pitch goes, martial arts is for everyone. No, it's not. No, it isn't. No more is basketball. No more is, you know, race car driving, skeet shooting or whatever else in life. It isn't for everyone, you know, um, or at least maybe not karate. Maybe you're more geared towards judo. Maybe you're geared towards Western boxing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're not geared towards any of that. Maybe you should take piano lessons. But there's there's a sales pitch out there that you know it's it's for everyone. You're never too old. You're never now. That's bull crap. That's yeah. just that's sales pitching it. You know, and uh, we don't do that. Um, I like to to get the kids in at least two or three months. I don't even worry about the money. I want to make sure it's a good fit for them mm-hmm. and us, because I want to make sure that we keep a, 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 you know, a strong bond here in the school. We don't. I, I'm not into politics. You see that out there a lot, and I, I loathe the politics. There's no reason for it. And um, so, as far as I know, and I keep a watchful eye, <clears throat> we don't have that here. We haven't grown that big. I think we only have about twenty-seven students now, or you know, so we're small potatoes. Yeah. But, uh, but hey, it's you know a little bit bigger than I think the last time. Yeah. You know, I, I was over here the last time we talked, so yeah, that's great. Yeah, we, we're we're picking them up, and and uh, you know, I've had quite a few come in, and you know, we had uh, three in the last couple of weeks that you know I told them told them what uh, you know we expected and everything, and they never showed back up. But then uh, some of the Hispanic community around here um they've been coming in and you know they they like it so i've picked up a a couple girls that uh seem to be i mean they're just picking it up Mm. and they seem to have that drive and that 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 work ethic and they're they're young children but that you know that we look for you know so um yeah you know it's a it's a hit and a miss type thing um and so you know and you look at how many, you know, out, out of the, all the students we've got now, how many are going to be here in five years? How many are going to be here in 10 years? How many are going to make black belt, you know, and actually start their training? Because that's the other thing, you know, uh, I, I squash the delusion that, you know, the almighty black belt, just to get that color, that's the final goal. No, that's the beginning. The analogy I use is think of it, you're underwater. Mm-hmm. As a Q rank, you are underwater. As you move up, <laughs> The Q ranks to the to the colors. You're moving up a few leagues under the sea, and you want to get your head above water so you can breathe. That is your yodancha, 
And then from there, you can crawl upon the land and you move up into the buildings and, you know. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. I like that. So, you know, it's a, it's a nice way of putting it. You know, you, <laughs> you bottom-feeding maggots, you know, you don't want to, you know, like a military, you know. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, this perception that black the black belt is that's the goal. No, that's the beginning, and so they learn that real quick. And, and you know, well, there'll be times like I did that not too long ago. It's like, okay, take your belts off. Now you all, okay, you all know that I'm the black belt. I'm the teacher, and you all know that you know we have one of our other black belts. Okay, so you're going to run with us, and I let them, and their their brain starts smoking, and they can't. And it's like, okay, so you understand? Yeah. It's not there yet. The black belt is in the mind. You know, it's like the one good thing that come from the Karate Kid, where Mr. Miyagi said, you know, he points to the head, you know, or, or to the, uh, what was it? He said, Karate is never here, here, or, you know, Karate is here, Karate is here, to the head, to the heart. Karate never here, to the waist. You know, very true, very true. I had a real hard time when I was in high school and I was going, I was doing martial arts, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause for me, you know, I was of that attitude where I'm like, oh man, black belt, like, that's where I want to get to. That's it right mm-hmm. there. And then I kept training and like, now I look back years later, I'm like, man, how, how did I think that? You know, like, it's, it's so weird because the stuff that I've learned since mm-hmm. then has just been, you know, way superseded anything that I learned as a, as a Q rank. That's right. That's yeah. crazy to think about. Yep. Well, that's, you know, um, and that's it. You know, we got to get... We got all those belt colors to get our standards down, our basics, so that we can do the good stuff, the mm-hmm. meaty stuff, get to the substance. The fun stuff. The fun stuff. And, <laughs> you know, the first thing my, my teacher said, he goes, okay, you made your black belt. Now you can slow down and really sink in and think about what you've been doing all this time mm-hmm. and really perfect it and get it working. And, and you know, that rush, you know, and I had that too. Everybody, does. you know, you want to make the black belt. But it seems like once you get there, once you make showdown, actually, okay, I'm here. I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm here. I'm this, you know. Uh, I think, you know, I did start to slow. You know, you did start to slow down, and, and you didn't feel like you were such in a race because, you know, as a brown belt, you know, at least for me, brown belt, man, you're on your toes mm-hmm. all this time. You, you, you know, it's one of the hardest divisions because you're trying to prove to your teacher and to yourself and everybody that I got what it takes. And once you make showdown, it seems like I don't, I don't say we get lazy in that, yeah. but we just we slow down and we look back and we're like, wow, I made it this far. And it's like, okay, now where? And then when we look and we go, whoa, I got to make it all the way up to tenth don. That's never going to happen, yeah. you know. But you know, first degree is a. I still think. Uh, is a great place to look at. Yeah. You know, when you're a Q rank, you're like, yep, that's where I want to get to. Yep. But then you just have to get to that point where you're like, that's a good place to look at for now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in five years or ten years or whatever, yeah. you want to be looking beyond that that's a little right. bit more. Well, my analogy is like the race. You know, as a Q rank, you know, you're, you're working out, you're learning all this stuff, you're getting what it takes to make it to the marathon. Don't quit before you get there, you know, because you've worked so hard. You know, why would you stop? The race is starting. You know, once you make it to showdown, you're right there at the starting line, getting ready with, you know, the race. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, and as you, as you move on, the mile markers, you know, that you've, you know, did you make it the 26 mile marathon, or you, you know, where you at, you know, um, uh, so. That's that's something that's confused me before when you'd see, you know, someone who's a brown belt or say a red belt in, in Korean arts or whatever and they, they drop out. It's like, Oh my god, you were almost to the starting line. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the beginning, the, the real training, and you quit. You put in all that work. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense, but, you know, people do weird things, you know. Um, and sometimes there's ex- extenuating circumstances that cause them to have to quit, but a lot of times it's just because they, you know, and I know one personally, and, you know, I counsel people. I mean, he's not even in karate. He's not even one of my students, but, you know, uh, and I see what his teacher sees. But to keep him as a friend, I won't say nothing, but he's so upset that he's, you know, he's been a, uh, a certain rank for like two and a half, three years and hasn't been promoted to black belt yet. And it's like, you know, a lot of times you have to dig, you know, the teacher sees something within you. you got to have what it takes. It's, it's more than just fancy moves and being able to do the basics. It's also the internal aspect mm-hmm. of the art. And so there are some people that, you know, I agree, should never make it to that level until they can conquer the demons within and, and build that internal martial art, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't know where to go from there. You got any questions? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do people get a hold of you if they want to come by and check out some of your classes sometime? Well, they can, uh, um, we're, on, we're online, uh, uh, com. that stands for Tiger White Crane Clan. Um, we're on Facebook, um, same thing, Torahakaturakan Martial Arts Academy. Um, they can call. You know, you, the, the, the later classes is the more advanced, so it's whenever we get out of here, but generally we're, mm-hmm. we're out of here by 9, um, 6 o'clock for the beginners. Um, and then on Saturday, 10 to 11.30, and on Sunday we have a 2 to 4, and that's open to everybody, and that's a, that's a really good class, you know. Um, so, yeah, plenty of, plenty of uh, days that they can train. Um, we uh, we charge fifty five a month. Uh, and that, you know you can train as many, but the minimum uh, is two days that, mm-hmm. that I require. I don't know about the other instructors and their their systems. And then the Taekwondo uh, Wednesdays and Friday uh, from six to uh, eight. Um, and I don't you know again I don't know what what they require. Right. Um, I would assume since they're two days a week that they they require two days a week. And, uh, See, we got Tuesday. Yeah, we used to have more days, but then I found that people weren't coming, and it didn't pay to have the lights on and drive all the way over here. So yeah. we cut it down to when the classes was full, and uh, so that's Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So that's what we're doing, and um, um, you know, we we are growing slowly. We 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 love to have uh, you know we love to have other styles come in too. You know, we're looking forward to doing some stuff. We're going to have some uh, Krav Maga with uh, Kelly O'Keefe. He's going to be coming over doing a workshop. Um, you know, uh, I think Mr. Price is going to be doing one. Um, we have, uh, between me and the uh, Kim Aldous and Steve Aldous um, with uh, self-defense classes. Um, you know, we, I was supposed to be launching one in the fall it was requested and then uh, we've just been so busy because you know we've only been in here what four months Mm -hmm. and you know from a empty warehouse to what it is now you know it's been it's been a lot of work but trying to throw in uh, a self-defense class uh, you know wasn't in the picture yet so and I think the Aldises they did one or was going to do one Mm -hmm. I think they're going to repost and try it again Um, but uh yeah, we just we'd like to get get it out to the community that we're here. A lot of it uh, times I hear we didn't even know you were here, you know, because we're not out there advertising, mm-hmm. you know. We do have a website, um, 
we're not out there advertising. We're not on the radio all the time. We're not doing commercials because uh, we don't have the cash to do that. Um, and I probably wouldn't do it if I did, you know. So it's kind of a word of mouth thing. You yeah. Know? Search and you will find. And I think you'll be happy you found us, you know. Everyone that's come here so far that stayed has, this is what they were looking for. And it, it, it makes me feel good, especially the, this gentleman that I just got from Europe who, who's trained old school. Um, he's trained in the belt factory and left, and he's trained old school in Europe and came up hard, and he came here and said, oh, my God, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been <laughs> missing. And it lets me know I'm on the right path. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Okay. This is great. Yeah, no problem. All right, thanks once again, Mr. Shelf, for being on the show. Now let's get into some plugs and upcoming events. Friday, December 12th, I'll be at Kickin' for Christmas in Fairbury, Illinois, and that's co-hosted by my friends Eddie Parker and Michael Brand. Part of the participation fee goes toward getting kids Christmas presents, so if you're listening to this podcast and you don't go to this event, I'll just assume that you hate martial arts and kids and Christmas, all three. You're a freaking Grinch. Uh, but for more, more info on that, check it out on Facebook at Kickin' for Christmas. That's Kickin' with no G and an apostrophe in the whole thing. Uh, and that's it, really. If you have any more events for me to plug and advertise here, shoot me an email at adam.bockler at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this month's show. As always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or via RSS at adambockler.com. And hey, while you're at it, like the Martial Arts Podcast on Facebook. Uh, thanks again to Sensei Matthew Shell for being our guest this month. Thanks to BJ Averly for the music. And thank you for listening to me, Adam Bockler, on the Martial Arts Podcast. <laughs>